Today, President Donald Trump will be impeached. It's December 18th, 2019. The rise of Skywalker is being savaged by critics. A gallon of organic whole milk on Amazon is $5.99, and the Houston Texans lead the AFC South with two games to play in the National Football League. For the Democrats, this is the end of a journey. They've made their case that the president abused his powers when he leaned on the Ukrainian president to open an investigation into a political rival and then withheld funds appropriated for that country to secure his end. He then did further damage by refusing to cooperate with an investigation into his actions by Congress. For the Republicans, this is the beginning by the end of the day, the articles of impeachment will be handed over to the Senate for a trial and the influence of Schiff and Pelosi will be gone. Enter the power of the Senate Majority Leader. Cocaine Mitch plays for keeps and he's going to make sure that he gets what he came for. Defections are unlikely on the GOP side, but a shaming of the entire process is all but assured. Trump will be the third president impeached, the third to face an impeachment push in the last 50 years. It's December 18th, 2019. The feature film version of Cats is being called too horny. The average price of a gallon of gas is $2.50 and the Los Angeles Lakers are the number one team in the NBA's Western Conference. And today, President Donald J. Trump will be impeached. Is that the largesse of everybody who supports us at TakePoliticsSeriously.com that I am proud to tell you PX3 begins Hello and welcome everybody to this, the impeachment day edition of the Politics, Politics, Politics program. My name is, of course, Justin Robert Young. We got a hell of a show for you today. I am live in the Seven Acre Schwood in Austin, Texas, uh, right on the line of Austin city limits. Uh, and and with that means I, I get some access to some guests, including Andrew Heaton. So we're going to have him on uh, to talk about everything that is happening right now. We were trying to think of the funniest place that we could watch the president get impeached. Like maybe a Chuck E. Cheese, a Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> like where would be like just me and and a, a, a very bespoke dressed Andrew Heaton sauntering into a Chili's and loudly demanding that the television be turned from ESPN to C-SPAN. And we will request the sound up, please. (laughs) Uh, We also have a little perspective from somebody that I know you guys love to hear from, and that is my mom. We uh, talked about just impeachment in general, what she remembers the Nixon impeachment, what she uh, uh, remembers, obviously, as an adult of the Clinton impeachment, and what she thinks about Trump's impeachment. But before we get to that, let's go through some of the stories that are not impeachment-related. 
And we begin with a debate. <laughs> yes, we still have a 2020 election that is just about to crest over the New Year's Eve holiday. But we have a debate. It's in Los Angeles. It's in the Loyola Marymount College. And it almost didn't happen twice. So initially, this debate was supposed to be at UCLA. And then that got... Uh, scrapped because of a labor dispute. None of these candidates won across a picket line, and indeed there was one at UCLA. So they moved to Loyola Marymount where there's a picket line. And so Tom Perez, the head of the DNC, who, by the way, used to be Obama's labor secretary, now has to go and moderate a dispute between Sodexo, a hiring and management company, and the local union at Loyola Marymount to make sure that they gained some degree of labor peace so there would be no picket line and all the candidates could go do this debate as scheduled. Let me remind you, there was no way that this was not going to happen. The rights for these debates go for millions, all right? That's money into the DNC, Tom Perez ain't giving that back for nobody. So obviously there were some optics there, but that's that. Now, who's going to be on stage? Well, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg, not Kamala Harris. Remember, she dropped out, although she did qualify for this debate. Obviously, she's not there. Amy Klobuchar, Tom Steyer, and Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang got in by the skin of his teeth one Final poll fell his way in the last week. So that means Julian Castro won't be there. Cory Booker won't be there. Uh, and then obviously any of the latecomers into the race, Deval Patrick, Michael Bloomberg, they will not be on stage. I would expect, if I'm going to make my predictions, that this will be a bit of a Mayor Pete Pinata. Last time, they did not really take shots at Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete had a very good debate last debate. I don't suspect he is going to go unchallenged this time. And specifically, I think this is going to be a great example to see how Mayor Pete handles being directly challenged on some of the issues that he has been pressed on over the last few weeks, up to and including his time at McKinsey, who his uh, donors are, these are these are very, very, very pointed questions that I assume he is going to have to face. And I think he's going to get them from Elizabeth Warren. She has been the one pressing him. As of right now, Mayor Pete is indeed still your leader in Iowa. These are the Real Clear Politics averages for today, December 18th. Buttigieg at 22 and a half. Sanders in second place. A surging Bernie Sanders, 19.3. Joe Biden behind him at 18. And lo, how the mighty have fallen. The big structural Bailey curse continues to eat away at Elizabeth Warren's once towering lead in Iowa. She now, according to the average, has 16 0.3% of support. And then there's a bunch of people in single digits. 
You know, now that I look at this, I wonder whether or not this is going to be an opportunity for Elizabeth Warren to kind of course correct again. I don't know exactly which direction she's going to want to do it because she's sort of moonwalked away from Medicare for all, which I don't get. She was at her best when she was the, you know, don't attack me for this, but the, the, the strategy she was running was more electable Bernie. Remember, I did the whole thing about the war for progressives, and I thought Bernie at that point, very early on, a few months ago, was being too passive. He is not passive anymore, man. I don't know what happened when that dude had a heart attack, but he is playing for keeps, and his polls are rewarding him for it. But since then, Elizabeth Warren has said, okay, well, I'm not going to do Medicare for all in my first uh, my first two years, which is ridiculous. That's basically punting on it. So instead of being a more electable Bernie, you're a more shady Mayor Pete or, or, or Joe Biden. I, I don't understand that. And I think her polls have suffered for the fact that she's hesitated on that issue, which makes me wonder whether or not that's something that she can kind of take back a little bit. Whether at this debate, she's going to get up and say, you know, initially I thought I was, uh, you know, going to be play smart politics on this, but, you know, the, 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 the need for Medicare for all is too great and we're going to push forward on it. Or if she double down, doubles down in the moderate lane and says, hey, look, yeah, of course we're going to get to Medicare for all, but let me show you some cool healthcare tricks in the meantime that we're definitely going to do immediately. That'll All right, we do have non-presidential 2020 news. Susan Collins from Maine has announced her intention to uh, get herself reelected to the Senate. Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski are probably the two most likely senators on the GOP side to swing and vote with Democrats. However, they they held the line, or at least they they, they split the line. Uh, Collins voted for Brett Kavanaugh. That was probably the last time that she was really in the headlines. But she will certainly be in the headlines now with this Senate impeachment trial because, you know, if you can't flip Susan Collins, then, you know, it's kind of game over. And I don't think they're going to be able to flip Susan Collins. So I think it's kind of a game over in the Senate, obviously. But... Susan Collins running again. No matter what her decision is, she is going to face opposition. She may or may not face a, a, a primary on the Republican side. She will almost certainly face a very well-funded candidate in the general election, although who that is remains to be seen. And we have a little bit of fallout from the Horowitz report. This was the investigation into the investigation of Donald Trump during the 2016 election, and then the investigation that eventually led to the Mueller report, specifically investigating whether or not he had ties to Russia. At the heart of this is a FISA application. FISA is a court that you can go to. It's secretive, but it's a way that you can get enhanced uh, spying stuff done. You just have to prove to the court that it's worth it, it's in the national interest, and they say, cool. Well, although the Horowitz report did not find out-and-out political bias in the process, he did find many 
omissions and mischaracterizations in the FISA application. And now the FISA court is like, hey, look, FBI, you need to explain yourself because we kind of feel lied to. I will be thrilled if uh, by the end of this, we just don't have a FISA court anymore. <laughs> if, if this entire process eliminates a secretive court where people can submit random applications and spy on other Americans, then uh, maybe we rein that one in a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's the good that comes out of this. Politics. On a historic day, it is only fitting that we look to our elders. I happened to be in Orlando over the weekend, and I spoke to presidential vote receiver Gloria Young to talk about impeachment and her memories of all the impeachments that she's lived through. Here we go. All right. We are here yet again with uh, really the most popular correspondent on the PX3 program, Gloria Young. I'm I'm back in Orlando, so we had to. I knew I would not be able to escape Orlando if I did not put you back on the podcast. So just know that your your fame has just grown exponentially. I am blown away with the, <laughs> with the uh, the popularity that I've gained. Well, let me uh, start here because uh, likely by the time that many people will listen to our conversation, we might have a, an impeached president because the vote is likely to happen in the house either by Wednesday or soon after. So before we get to your opinions on this particular push, I thought it'd be fun if I could ask you about what you remember about the previous impeachments. Do you have memories of, of the Nixon impeachment? I have vague memories of the Nixon impeachment. Um, I was fairly young so I wasn't really paying much attention to politics. Sure, yeah. But um, it was a cultural moment. But yeah, I mean, there was no doubt about it. There was a lot of hoopla and there was a <laughs> lot of, you know, serious talks going on on the TV. And yeah, um, I, I just kind of. How old of, were you? Do you remember like, like, like in school, like middle school, high school, college? Well, it was, like It was what, 74 when he... Um, no, it's 70. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah 74. He, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was like 13, 14 years old. Okay. So, so that's like you are you're, you you know like I would say about like 10 or so, 8 or 10. I knew who the president was. Oh, like yeah. I, I mean, knew I yeah. I knew what was going on, but for the most part, uh I wasn't really into politics. I I could care less about what was going on at that point. Yeah. So um, you know, it, to me, it was just all background noise. Yeah. Uh, uh, but but you do remember it just being a gigantic thing. Oh, it was a gigantic thing. Yeah. Uh, I definitely remember that. I definitely remember that. Because it seems like it was, A, I mean, there was only a certain amount that you would be able to get around it if, like, if, if there's only four channels... Right, three channels, really. Which there were at the, at that time. And they all decide that this is the only thing that we're going to talk about. Then that's just going to be what happened. Absolutely. Right? Oh, you couldn't escape it. I mean, there was there was no no escaping it. But um, but, but you again, don't remember. And, and and your parents were Democrats, right? Like like were they? Did they care? Like what was the, did did uh, Grandma and Grandpa have like a big you know like oh you gotta get this bum Nixon out of here? You know I don't 
even remember too much about what they were yeah. saying. Uh, I mean, although I, I, I guess my, if you were if my, you if you were if you were thirteen, then it's about the time that you stop giving a rat's ass about what, what your parents my think. parents thought. <laughs> you got that right. I was pretty much boycotting my parents completely at that stage. But I do remember my dad, especially being glued to the TV. Yeah, uh, I do remember that. He was very interested in what was going on, and he was very you know spirited about it. Um, yeah. But beyond that, I don't really remember us talking about it. I don't remember. Certainly wasn't at the dinner table no, or anything no. like that. And again, you nailed it as far as me just basically. You were <laughs> so you were on the dark side of the moon when yeah. it comes to. Because that's yeah. funny because I assume if if you were like three years younger or maybe six years older, you probably would have had more of a sense of, of everything. But it's like. A 13-year-old's world is very insular, right? Yeah, absolutely. There All are right. very few things that are important to you when you're a 13 or 14-year-old girl. Except, except for literally what's in front of your face, right. immediately, like six inches. Right, or your popularity. That's that was it. pretty yeah. much it. All right, so then let's let's skip to the 90s, yes. the late 90s, 98. Yes. Yes. Uh, what do you remember of the Clinton impeachment <laughs> saga? I just remember it being a whole lot of hoopla about somebody who got a blowjob in the White House. <laughs> I just thought it was ridiculous. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, you know, the blue dress and the this and the that and the white water scandal and I. Well, here I, let's let's actually go back then. Do you remember? Like when Clinton first got in, because Whitewater was pre. I mean, that's what obviously brought the special prosecutor around. Right. But uh, that was something. Do you remember Clinton like as him get as he got elected being somebody that had scandal kind of around him? No, I, I really don't. And, you know, and again, uh, you have been more of a political influence in my life <laughs> than than ever was before. Yeah. Because. For the most part, my life was always so busy and hectic, especially in the 90s. Yes. You know, when I was busy just raising. When you when you when you had an early when teenager, I had teenage <laughs> boys. Yeah. You know, I had a lot of other priorities on my mind. And yeah. here here this all this nonsense was going on. And I, I just thought it was a whole lot of to do about nothing. Quite frankly, you know, what was funny was I went back and watched a couple because I'm a total nerd. Uh debates from 92 when Clinton was just in the Democratic primary. Mm -hmm. I was not thought to be somebody that had a shot. Uh, and he, uh, even then, Jerry Brown, who was the once and, and future governor of California, mm -hmm. he just left a, a year ago, right. right? After returning to Sacramento, he was hammering Clinton for uh, uh, not only being corrupt, but also Hillary being corrupt. Like, this goes back to, A like, 92 time. on, I mean, and, and pre that, but in terms of the national stage, 92 amongst the Democratic Party, and this is somebody that, like, it was not a fly-by-night politician. Jerry Brown, you know, again, literally just stepped out of the limelight. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, um... You know, I, I remember being kind of shocked that this Clinton guy kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. And, um, you know, and he was very charismatic and, 
you know, kind of flirtatious, but he had that, you know, he had that southern charm about sure. him. And um, I remember thinking, uh, all right, I, I think I voted for him. I'm pretty sure I did. Well, that was George H.W., Perot, and, and Clinton. Clinton. Yeah, now, I'm pretty sure I voted for Clinton. I'm pretty sure I did. Did you? Because vote I for... did not like the Bushes. Yeah. And um and Perot, I just thought was too far of a long shot. Yeah. Although my significant other was a big Perot fan in those days. I think I'm. You know, people have been asking me about what I want to do for season two of Raise the Dead. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's going to be a season two? Maybe. Oh, people, oh I'm people, so excited. People have asked me what I would do, and I don't know, but I do know that at some point I'm going to have to do a deep dive on the 92 election. Yay. Because the 92 election is fascinating. Oh, really? On a lot of different levels, yeah. I mean, not, not the least of which, because Perot is there, and this is something that has fallen down the memory hole. There is a poll taken in June of an election year, not the year before uh-huh. June, like just a four or five months, months before, before the election. everybody went to go vote. Right. And Perot was leading. Really? Yeah. There were a lot of people that that really got behind. Him. I mean, there is there is a legitimate question of what this country looks like if Ross Perot wins an the president, if an independent wins the presidency. Yep. And and then he disbands his campaign and then restarts his campaign right says that cia people had influ infiltrated and it's it's a whole thing well you know what there's a that's a very interesting topic you could uncover this is is what my point is this is what my point is so all right no question about it let's let's dial it back a little bit so uh 98 the impeachment is is on now Mm -hmm. uh you think it's frivolous I thought it was ridiculous. It, it does not bother you at all. Because the, the more you look into that whole saga, the craziest thing about it is that, like, all right, so he lies. And then the craziest chain of events has to happen for him to be proven a liar. <laughs> like, he lies on tape. But then, like, not only does his side trick have to be blabbing to somebody else, but somebody else has to be recording it. Not only... Because even if she was like, yeah, oh, no, we definitely slept together, then it's still a he said, she said. Right. But she's got this dress that he gets right. his DNA matched to. <laughs> it's like it, it is it is the craziest, the craziest thing. But at that point, I think the the, the, the fatigue really took over. Like there, there was a sense, I think, in, in the country at that point where it had been so loud and everybody was – so dialed into every little twist and turn of like the Lewinsky and the cigar and the like, but by the time that it came to the vote, I think there were hardcore partisans that were like, got to get him out. He lied on tape. You can't do that. And then there was a majority of the country that was like, look, even if I do think that it's not cool that he lied on tape, right? I it's just, not an impeachable inf- offense. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because I do think that part of that is what we're seeing now. Well, I think there's a big, a huge contrast between uh, Bill Clinton's issues and what's happening now. Okay. I think it's a tremendous contrast. Well, then let's segue. Go ahead. Well, what mean, are the differences? I mean, to me, the differences are, you know, let's face it, not only every politician, but many uh, men in general are not f- 
100% faithful. Okay. Um, you know, those kind of um, those kind of situations are going to arise. Did it affect his ability to lead the country? Did it uh, you know, did it did it show that he was not faithful to his oath of office? No, I don't think so. In in the Trump situation, so the lie, the lie thing, the lie thing doesn't really, uh, really move you much. No, I mean because I, that's because that's ultimately what it was. I, like I, the, the the impeachment articles were not about whether or not he was faithful to his wife, but no, but I, more that he lied. That on, he lied. On yeah. I mean, honestly, please. I I just thought it was so ridiculous that we spent so much time and resources on something that was. In my opinion, he should have gotten a slap on the hand and move on and run the country. You know, that was funny. I was looking back at some of the old uh, uh, coverage, and the difference right now in the House between 1998 and 2019 is that the Democrats were pushing for a censure. They were actively actively saying, yes, it's wrong that the president lied on tape. Uh, yes, the the and that to be honest, I think that the difference between these two cases is there's still some dot connection that you have to do with the Ukraine thing mm-hmm. in a way that you don't with the Clinton thing. Mm-hmm. It's like watch the video. Is he lying? Well, he says he didn't do this, and but and he did. It was proven at, he did by DNA test. Right. It's proven that he did do that. Right. That's that that that's open and shut in terms of whether or not that was an offense. Right. Uh, but what's fascinating is that the Democrats were like, hey, look, yes, it's wrong. Yeah. Censure him. Censure him. We should go for for a censuring. And uh, uh, ultimately, Newt, uh, Newt, Newt Gingrich pushed on with it, and then it cost him his, his career. He was out of politics yeah. within a month afterward, which I didn't realize oh, it was wow. that fast. I didn't realize that either. Because there was a midterm. So the House calls for impeachment. And like the next week, there's a midterm election. No, wait. Now was Newt Gingrich Speaker of the House? At speaker the time? of the House. Okay. Right? So he pushes for the impeachment. The impeachment goes through. Okay. Then there's a midterm, and the Republicans get slaughtered. Right. And and he was out. And Newt Gingrich is like, so long and thanks for all the fish. Ah. Uh, and so and. He had kind of burned bridges uh, leading up to that. So mm-hmm. this was kind of like a Custer's last stand sort mm-hmm. of situation. For yeah, him. yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, no, that, that's something that I think history kind of forgets a little bit. Is yeah. That, that was like bang, bang. It, much in the same way that we're going to have. I mean, we've never uh, uh, in our modern history had a president get impeached and then immediately stand for reelection. Oh yeah. Like that's never happened before. I know, but leave it to Trump. He's the president of firsts. (laughs) He is. So, I mean, no question about it, but I mean, I I personally think, and you know, I'm not a Trump fan. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally think that the things that he did were completely out of line. I believe that. What, what, what specifically? Well, I I believe that he has been treasonous. Okay, I mean, I'm very surprised that they haven't actually. So then, th- th- that's what I was going to ask. So then, you are on the side of like we should not be narrowly defining this about the Ukraine thing. You should be bringing the full the menu. The whole thing. I mean, I believe that he has violated his the oath that he took to to. Defend our constitution. Now, now, do you know the argument against that? The the, the Nancy Pelosi argument against that. Um, 
against against why you bring all of those charges. Uh honestly, I've, I've Here's why. Here's why. Tell me why. They don't they want to have as many democrat they want it as close to a full democratic party vote on all the charges as possible and the more charges you put the more the likelihood it is to get everyone is. on board. Because even now, you're seeing some of these red state Democrats uh, in Trump County, in Trump districts, that are like, no, I, maybe I, we don't vote against. I maybe read we your vote article. There were at least six of them already that six that are probably about. not going to do it, and then some right. more that are like, well, maybe we vote for one and not and for not the both. other. Uh, we have we have some visitors. Wait, my, right, my, my my brother and sister in law and the kids. Children are here. So for anyone who listens to Jury, we might actually have some live Jackson sound. Ooh, can we get <laughs> Jackson live on? We might be able to podcast? get Jackson live. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not streaming. We're just recording. Uh, we're talking about impeachment. Riley, do you have any thoughts on impeachment? <laughs> She's for it. Is she for it? Are you for it? <laughs> See, they girls do start earlier than boys. <laughs> so that's 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 the reason why. The re- the reason why is that you you, no, no, you want I you do, want to make I sure I'm aware of that. Yeah. I am aware of that. But I'm still aware. your your opinion is that they should have more persuasively made the case that this is Well, treasonous. I I personally am incredibly surprised that the word treason has never been really brought into the limelight here and, and treason where because i believe that he is more faithful to a foreign government okay than he is to ours gotcha i, I mean not only russia is there is there any Saudi one Arabia, is there any one clarifying incident that uh, uh you believe typifies this I, I, what, I, what is what is what is the blue dress what is what is the the, 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 you the, know, the cigar I, I can't say that there's any one clarifying but there has been a series of things that he has done or not done yeah that I feel like he is more faithful or thinking more about a foreign government than he is about the United States yeah. and the government that he swore his oath. Of but there's no, but there's no specific thing that stands uh, out. You know, if you really want to push me on that, I am. you should have given you. me a little bit more notice. I will send you an email. Send me an email. With my specific. I will read your email verbatim. I am going after to send this you is an done on the podcast with the specifics that I think of that of you believe treasonous. Action. I mean, Saudi Arabia would be the Khashoggi thing, right? Uh, yes. Clearly. I mean, that would be the biggest. Like, I don't think there's anything bigger with, with Saudi Arabia that's happened, no. right? No. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just uh, something just something. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. No, no, no. no. There was a Saudi national recently. that just that you shot up an American military just base recently, yeah. and he didn't condemn the Saudis. And there's there's a, a four or five points. Yeah. That I think have been like, huh? Really? Treason, treason's a big charge, though. I know it's a big charge. Treason carries the penalty of death. I, I, I get that, but it's also a very impeachable offense. Yeah. Is there any like mid to light treasons that we no, would like to? Not really mid to light. It's a very impeachable offense. So. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Mom, for your 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 input on this. Politics. And lo and behold, my mom delivered. Into my inbox this morning at 6.42 in the morning, Trump and Russia.
So I'm going to read. I promised her I would read the email verbatim. Here we go. Uh, the things that uh, Donald Trump has done with Russia that my mom finds treasonous. Initial invitation to Russia in 2016 to interfere in our elections. Excuse of just kidding doesn't cut it. It's serious stuff. Rejects all U.S. intelligence and proof with regard to Russian interference in our election. Has openly sided with Putin. Has made light of it and failed to admonish Russia in any way. Admires and praises Putin who criticizes his own U.S. colleagues or anybody who disagrees with him. Trump welcomed Russian officials into the Oval Office and shared classified info with them. Trump held private meeting with Putin in Helsinki with no clear record of what was discussed or agreed to. Trump sides with Russia over NATO. Trump has lifted sanctions on Russian companies connected to Putin. Trump congratulated Putin when he was reelected, when everyone knew that the election was a sham. Trump pushed to get Russia back into the G7. Trump's decision to withdraw U.S. troops from Syria was just as Putin wanted and a boon to both Russia and Turkey. And Trump continues to spread disinformation about Ukraine supporting Russian talking points. Trump is Putin's puppet. <laughs> she lands with a flourish. So that is my mom's opinion. I could criticize some of these, but I'll wait until the next time that I talk to my mom. I am a good son who wanted to represent her in her own words on this program. Meanwhile, if you want to make sure that this show does continue to go on, head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. That is where you can support this show. That is where you can uh, get in on the $3 level. That means that you get a bonus episode on Monday, bonus episode on Thursday. It is there for you, friends, and I thank everybody who does it. Furthermore, episode three of my brand new historical series, Raise the Dead, is now live, and it tracks, finally, the rise of Richard Nixon. This is a Nixon versus Kennedy podcast, theoretically, and it took me to episode three to get to Nixon, so we dedicated it entirely to Dick the poor kid from Southern California who climbs to the absolute apex of American politics. But in this phase of his career, he has a very interesting problem because the Republican Party is a very moderate one. He is a fairly moderate politician. And yet, the hardcore conservatives, specifically Barry Goldwater, want to change that and Dick faces their wrath at the convention in 1960. It also is something that I think bears very interesting parallels to 2016 on the Democratic side. In fact, I think that there is a lot that we can learn about the current morphing of the Democratic Party toward a more progressive party from how Barry Goldwater influenced the Republicans back in the 60s. Go ahead and check it out. Raise the dead. Uh, please uh, uh, spread the word on this because I, I, I really have loved your guys' feedback. Thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting it. Politics. They were the witness responded, every one of theirs, but not Republicans. The chairman wouldn't let him in. Of course, the what you're listening to right now is Jim Jordan, who is still going on and on about this impeachment. I hope to have this thing done with a little bit of knowledge of what the final vote was going to be, but I'm sorry, friends. We're going to have to call it here, so I got to call in our big gun right here. Of course, you've heard him on the political orphanage, Andrew Heaton. Welcome to the show. Hello. Good to be back, Justin. 
oh, God, Dude, this thing just keeps going. It I just know, will never end. You know what's killing me is the anxiety of how will they vote? Will he be impeached or will he not be impeached? I just, I just need to know. Yeah, jeez, uh, uh, you know, this guy, uh, uh, we know what's going to happen. But what we don't know is exactly what the vote's going to be. Okay. That's the only thing that really is still sort of out there. I'm sure that there is some head counting, but whenever you're dealing with like an 11th hour situation, you got a lot of red state, uh, or sorry, Trump district Democrats that, you know, at, at the 11th hour, they could just vote no and hope that Nancy Pelosi doesn't yell at them, uh, yeah. you know, because she's still got her impeachment. I would not want to be a Trump County Democrat. That would like that. that it's l- harsh right th- now. Th- th- this, this is my impression of a, a member of Congress uh, from a member of Congress who's a Democrat in a Trump carried state. This is this is them at 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. I'll sleep through tomorrow night. Just every night, every single night being worried about that. Yeah, not not a fun time. Yeah, you know, you've seen Pelosi has gone out of her way to make sure that they are taken care of as much as they can. It's the reason why she pushed that uh, a drug benefit. It's the reason why she uh, uh, got every the, all of her ducks in a row on Trump's new NAFTA thing, which I, was... I was wondering about that, honestly, because like... Impeachment happens, and there's that great like, "Don't mess with me." I pray for the president. Whatever that thing was, right? It yeah, was like yeah, it was yeah. like a real cool like, "Okay, neat." This whole yeah. thing's happening, and then like an hour later, we're announcing <laughs> NAFTA, and I was like, "Did like like part of it was like, I guess Nancy Pelosi just gets shit done." Like, I, but uh, yeah. you're telling me that it was it was a tactical decision. It wasn't just that she's a like a steamroller of legislative agendas. According to the New York Times, that was one of the givebacks. Okay. There, there are uh, there's some pork apparently going certain uh, congressmen's way, but that was a big thing that she was saying to everybody. Like, hey, look, Trump is the trade deal guy. You are in a district where there are a lot of Trump voters, so at the very least, you can come back to him and say, "Don't be so mad at me at impeaching." Because I also didn't stand in the way of this trade deal getting yeah. done. Who, who I'm interested to watch over the next couple of weeks is, and I, there may not even be any, if there is a Republican who is going to get hammered for voting to impeach or remove the president, I would like to hear from him or her, or a Democrat that's going to get hammered for not voting to impeach the president. Yeah. That's like, listen, I hate this guy, but I just can't make up laws here. Or alternately, a Republican that's like, look, I don't like, I don't like taking pot shots at the head of my party, but I don't think it's going to happen. But th- those people are the people that be like, you might actually be honest. You might not just be a partisan hack. I don't think that we're in a world that rewards nonpartisan hacks. Yes, I suspect you're right about that. Yes, <laughs> and then, I... now we are we are in gang warfare on a level that uh, you know. Actually, let me let me ask you this because this is something that I get the sense that things are more tribal. Yeah, you worked in Congress. Uh-huh. You just were in D.C. Do you get the sense that things are more tribal now than they were when you were there? Yeah, I do. I and it's it's been. Uh, I'll, I'll say DC is really weird in that it's it, it is I think actually it, it's it's this bizarre double think which can exist in DC that doesn't tend to exist other places so so DC for a very large extent um, politics is a job yeah or a game 
Uh, and while both of those sound like far less august than like it's I'm there because I'm a civil, they can work. You can work with other people if it's a job or a game. Yeah. It's very difficult to work with someone if you know that they are the banner carrier of uh, the Dark Lord who is yes. coming to burn down our village. It's very difficult to do that, right? So DC, I still think, maintains a lot of that. There's a lot of people, like my, I, most of my, my uh, or a good clutch of my friends in DC are from my old softball team, and they're yeah. Republicans and Blue Dog Democrats and regular Democrats, right? And we all still hang out when I'm in town. We're all still friends with each other. So that exists. I think people are fairly exhausted in DC. I think that's a thing. Um, I heard from multiple people. I went to a, like a, uh, what was it, the, re- the Repeal Day Ball? Uh, okay. So it was, it was a very DC thing where we all get oh, to that's, that's dr- the, the, dress the, the, up like gangsters from the 20s and celebrate drinking. Prohibition. Yeah, 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 yeah. very much, very DC. And I, by the way, I felt very much at home as a time-traveling drunk. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed right up my alley. I'm surprised it didn't pull. Uh, but um, I, I talked to multiple people there, and they all kind of had the same vibe of uh, uh, politics is inverted, where it used to be most people didn't care about politics, yeah. uh, and the political people cared about it. And now... Everybody cares about politics, and the political people are just exhausted. And they're like, can we can we talk about the marvelous Miss Maisel? I don't want to talk about this right now. I'm drinking. I wonder if it's because prior to our current political popularity or the popularity of politics in general, there really was if, – if you knew a little bit about politics, there's a fair amount that you knew a lot, right? It's like how Star Wars used to be, yeah. right? It's like if you knew – uh, uh, the, the 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 name of the ATAT Walker, then you probably knew a lot about Star Wars, yeah. right? Now it's like everybody knows a little bit, and mm-hmm. so I can I can only imagine that for people who are very focused in the professional element of that, that if somebody's like, oh, I like politics before, it was like cool, let's talk, and now it's like uh, you're probably you probably just know enough that to watch MSNBC or Fox News and yeah. you're just going to repeat the things that there's, you heard on Matt Hour Hannity. There's some, I can't, I can't remember, it's probably an Upton Sinclair quote, but th- somebody said there's uh, there's an untold amount of evil done to the world by people who think they understand something because they've heard of it. I think that that's pretty accurate. <laughs> wow. I think there's a ton that, of people that are like, that is, yeah, that is yeah, a procedure or whatever. They're like, yeah, yeah, I heard that word. I'm going to repeat that. I was like, what do you mean by that exactly? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I can't imagine how it is. Uh, you know, for, be, be, for, for that situation, but, but but I will say I think that I think DC is less tribal, or you know what I think I think the, the country as a whole I don't think is as tribal as people make it out to be. Twitter's very tribal. Twitter's yes. full of like because Twitter there's a bunch of people on there who believe their contribution to mankind is mouthing off all the time, it's tweeting, yeah, yeah, and then like thank you so much for doing that instead of going to charity or whatever. Um, so Twitter has a lot of that. People who are political right now in the rest of the country are very tribal. I think like you know just your average barbecue in Wisconsin. I don't think it's that tribal. DC, I, I think would be, it would surprise people. When I was on the Hill, um, so like uh, uh, J- James Inhofe, Jim Inhofe, uh, senator from Oklahoma, very very conservative senator from Oklahoma, yeah, um, was very good friends with uh, Barbara Boxer. Uh, yeah. A very progressive senator from from California, and they would fight, and then the mics would turn off, and they would go get dinner. Yeah, like they were like, and that that kind of thing I think is a lot more common than people realize. And I, I suspect too that like, let, let's let's say you're not um, like an archetype of the Trump regime. You're yeah. you're like the the sub, you're the sub secretary of uh, you know regulating little plastic doodads on tennis shoes or some <laughs> yeah. horrible bureaucrat like that. Um, people, I think, are going to get like you know four to eight years from now that that was okay. You're a Republican. You had to take a job. That I think that is going to keep going on. It's where it, you know it's not like that person will never work in Washington again. They'll 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 be able to go to cocktail bars and they. I mean, barring a full civil war, there there really has to be some kind of swing of the pendulum toward 
like, hey, we can understand that people do have differing political views. Yeah, I suspect that'll happen. I think uh, it'll it'll. In, in fact, what'll be really interesting to see is like like right right now, one of the things I'm dealing with on a regular basis is I'm like, I would like to understand how other people think. May I talk to you about how you think? And then yeah. I'll have one or two friends that are like, you're normalizing that behavior by letting yeah. them talk, and you are the death of it. Like. Uh, and I think those people are a rarity. However, it will be interesting when when the situation normalizes under Mayor or under under President Marion Williamson or whoever. Uh, and uh, it, 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 you're gonna, I we think, purge our dark second I, I, energy. I think you will see everyone go, man, that was crazy. I was one of the people that kept a level head. Like you'll see this level head phenomenon come in, and those of us that oh, were people, getting, like people, shot people, at people, from both sides, brag, people yeah. brag about it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Those of us that were like weren't in a bunker that were just on the middle <laughs> going, can we just talk? That we're getting shot constantly. Right. We're gonna be like you weren't there you were you there. didn't know you don't know what it was like on the killing fields uh all right real quickly let's get into some of the impeachment talk okay. uh four to six democrats is the expectation for people to vote democrats to vote against impeachment one uh, uh house of representatives member will vote against one impeachment uh, article and for another one. Everybody wins. Everyone will love this member Everyone, of Congress. Oh, dude, They'll be like, well, he be... voted in favor of this one and against the other. It's a balanced individual. Exactly. He should, he, he as, should win the nomination from both parties when he runs for election. As popular as the guy who mixes milk and orange juice yes, uh, yeah. uh, will be this guy. But do you think that having more than the two that didn't vote for an authorization of the impeachment. So now the the amount of Democrats who have defected will grow from two to six. Uh Do you think that that is a bad sign for the Democrats? No, I think the the numbers themselves are the bad sign for the Democrats. I mean, I I think um, this... The best case scenario for the Democrats would have been if 30 Republicans went for the good of the Republican, blah, blah, blah. That's, sure. But that's, we all knew that wasn't going to happen, right? Yeah. It was either going to be um, all of the Democrats and maybe like one Republican on his way out, or it was going to be most of the Democrats and all of them. But either way, it was going to fall along more or less party lines. And yeah. we're all fairly confident that the, the Republican-controlled Senate is not going to remove him. I don't think that a symbolic difference of five people will make any difference. It will to some point because there will be Republicans who claim that there was, a, bi- yeah. there was a bipartisan consensus that he didn't deserve it. But I, like, I think anybody paying even remote attention to this knows that there's always some swing districts, and they're usually conservative Democrats or Democrats in red states that are kind of caught in the middle that are apt to go one way or the other. So I don't think that'll make a difference. Let me ask you this, because you're pro-impeachment, right? Yeah, I'm pro-impeachment, okay. yeah. Do you think, because you are also very much, uh, you're, you're, you're a deep thinker about... I'm, I'm a the, boring the proceduralist. I'm proceduralist, like right? getting drunk and staring at a portrait of Edmund, Dr- uh, Edmund Burke uh, <laughs> on weekends. Then how do you reconcile, because you seem like somebody that would, that would very much believe that we should, this should be bipartisan. If it's going to start, it should be bipartisan, because... This is the last. Yeah. This isn't just hanging a political loss on a president. That happens all the time. It happens on party lines. Like that. That's part of the game. Is that you find a weakness in the the opposing party's leader and then make them pay for it. But impeachment is that's that's the break glass in cl- in case of absolute emergency. Right. So how do you reconcile that? The, the, those two things. Well, two two ways. One, one I like I, that is something that concerns me, right? So, um, I like I don't like Trump at all. I've never been a Trump fan. I would love to see him impeached. I would love to see him removed. It would be awesome if he got exiled. I don't like Trump in any way, shape, or form. However, 
being a proponent of rule of law, I also don't want to make up something to remove him. I don't yeah. think that that serves the general public or uh, constitutional norms or, or anything like that. If it's just, I hate that guy, whatever it is, I'm going to vote for him. And we're seeing a lot of that, too. Like, yeah. I should acknowledge that, like, I'm, I'm, like, making fun of Trey Gowdy and stuff for rank hypocrisy. There's there's a lot of Democrats oh, yeah. that just want him gone. I don't really care how it is, right? That, that, is, a, that is a thing to be concerned about. I'd say on a micro level, um, it seems to me that obstruction of Congress is pretty much slam dunk from my vantage point. Um, Trump was— Is that impeachable? Yes, I mean, first of all, I mean, impeachment literally is, you know, whatever the, the House says it is. Sure. But. Yes. Uh, and? Uh, and and I, I would say from like... Uh, uh, presidents yeah. presidents have been very snooty with Congress uh, uh, along lines like this of just refusing to allow people to testify before. Like, this is not yeah. unprecedented. But let's let's make a distinction between snooty versus willfully obstructing, right? So, like, like uh, the, the analogy that I think is apropos here is... If I were the governor of a state, yeah, and um, my staff was called before a judge in, a, in an actual trial in a courtroom setting, and I went, that judge is a jackass, and I think he's got it in for me. I forbid any of you to speak there. That is, you're you're obstructing justice. That sure. that, that that is, you are you are in contempt of the court. You're not allowed to you're not allowed to interact with branches based on whether or not you think they're acting in good faith or not. That yeah. that is a requirement of the constitutional norm. So I, I think that that's there. But I'll say on a like a really macro level, yeah. and I'm going to take this is this is me taking like a really weird really weird position that I don't think very many other people share. Um, I'm very concerned about balance of power. I'm yes. very concerned about restraining executive power. It seems to me that the presidency has engorged since Wilson. Like yes. the, 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 all of that, when we talk about founding fathers and all that stuff, we're not operating with their system. We're, no. we're, we're operating with what, what they would have considered a constitutional monarchy. Yeah. And, and it's kept growing. It's kept growing. There haven't been any checks. There were originally checks on the president. There aren't, there aren't checks for the amount of power that the presidency's now had. I think it might actually be this kind of weird inadvertent check we're developing where I think it might be in the future that the president's always impeached where there's always an impeachment attempt on the president and it kind of echoes the level of public support, but it's one more speed bump the president has to get over. And I would love to put up more speed bumps for the president. Okay. So that, that is, that is your, your, your position is short, whether or not this is maybe calling the rules a little tighter than let's say happened with Obama and Fast and Furious where Eric Holder refused to testify and stuff like that. Which, which again, Trey Gowdy said that he should be impeached which, for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So yeah. so there is indeed rank right. hypocrisy. That is certainly yeah. a political hack job. But also, if you're going to say that Trump deserves, or let me, let me, let me see if I, I can qualify or, or, the way you're saying it, yeah. is that even if, yes, theoretically under those definitions, then Eric Holder and Obama should have faced harsher criticism, if not impeachment, that the difference is, is that just as the presidential power has expanded, 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 that we are in we are in dire need yes. of another very pin much to so. puncture the 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 balloon. We, yeah, and and that weirdly enough might wind up being tribal partisan hypocrisy. That might become. <laughs> and you know what? If you were going to design a system, I'd say if you can figure out how to harness rank tribal hypocrisy that they yeah. would work a lot better than trying to design a system that doesn't have it, which is basically <laughs> what we did originally where we're like, just don't have parties. It'll work out fine. And then it didn't work. It out. It did yeah. not work out. Yeah. And I'll add to that. Like, I think, um, I think we are, I, there, there are a bunch of presidents I would have impeached, right? Like, like, sure. like, like we've, we've, 
by by so the, you would be you would be looser on this. That, that, that this is yes. I I would say we should have a going rate of twenty five percent of presidents that have been impeached. See now this is the like uh, in general I am always a uh, uh like hey it's not nearly as bad as we might think it is. Like we've seen uglier stuff before, and and that is been a constant refrain in, 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 in the Trump administration yeah. where everybody is kind of hysterical at when all times. When Nixon made out with Cthulhu, that was worse. Yeah, exactly. But I will say that if I'm going to get panicky about anything, it's that it seems like these impeachment contractions are happening faster and faster. Yeah. Like over the past... You're right. Empirically, they are. Over the past like, 50 years, that we had one... We, you know, we, we, had, we, we had Johnson, and then it was like 100 years. 100 years, right. <laughs> and then it was, uh, it would have been Nixon, and then it was Clinton, and yeah. yeah and yeah, now, yeah. you know, uh, uh, roughly two decades later, now we have Trump. So, I don't know. It, and, and, and I'll say, like, I agree, like, um, I get, uh, I not being a constitutional scholar, there, there's a certain amount of just winging it that I'm doing, in all honesty. Yeah. Uh, however, I like, I do understand, like, I understand the Republican frustration of Democrats always hated this guy. They had it out for him since day one. They're just looking for an excuse. I get that. I do think, I'll say at the very minimum, I view impeachment, not removal, but impeachment is like a grand jury hearing. Yeah. So it's what we're voting on right now is, is there probable cause to take to trial? And I would yeah. say, yes, absolutely. There's probable cause to go to trial and the trial will be the Senate. Yeah. Um, so like, like, yeah, go ahead and impeach him on that charge. And then and I would probably vote to remove him as well. <laughs> uh, all right. Heaton, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, of course, Political Orphanage. Uh, you've got some cool stuff coming up, but yep. you also just had a bunch of really good interviews. I did. Uh, I had Rick Unger on this week to talk about healthcare, the issue dominating the American political oh, landscape. people can't stop talking people about healthcare. People can't, you know, everybody, what I see on uh, social media all the time is, let's keep, let's quit shooting bumper stickers at each other and hear two people compare various countries' healthcare policies <laughs> to see if they can fix their own over an hour-long <laughs> period of civil discussion and substantive discourse. So that's what I did with Rick Unger this week. If you listen to it, I promise you'll learn about healthcare. You'll be a blast at cocktail parties. Yeah. The week before that, I had on Dr. Tom Jones, who's an astronaut. I find I finally achieved my ambition to bringing an astronaut onto my program, <laughs> and he talked to me for an hour, and I talked to him about like Elon Musk and uh, what he would do if he were running NASA and, and private versus public space exploration. So we get into the policy stuff, but uh, like the first 15 minutes is just me asking him questions about body fluids in space. Like I just wanted to know, like, um, like is it hard to burp? I have yeah. like like if 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 I get depressed and cry, is there just like a cloud of tears, or does it shoot out for me like BBs? <laughs> like like are, like are people wondering around my tears? And he was nice. He played game with me, so uh, that was really fun. I've got some really cool guests coming up in 2020. Since I haven't locked them down, I'm not going to say who they are, but I'm very excited about them. I've heard him. They're great. Yeah, yeah, Be yeah. excited. And and I have another podcast. Can I? Can uh -huh, I? Uh, can indeed, I, alienating the audience. Alienating the, the audience. Show. Yeah. If uh, if you're a nerd and you like science fiction, which let's be honest, you're listening to me, so yeah, you I, are a nerd. I, there we, there's a, a large crossover. If we're making a Venn diagram, oh of god, it's a just circle. A Robert Young fans. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I have a hard time of like. There's no divergence in that Venn diagram. So, yeah, so, just so, somebody that's like like I don't know like doing shots and reading Saul Lipinski and then listening to you, but also doesn't like sci-fi. Yeah. Uh, so. I'm doing that. That's a real deep dive on sci-fi. Uh, I like talking about sci-fi, but I like getting into the abstract concepts. So I like getting into the philosophy and the ethics and like, like uh, uh, one of your good friends. Uh, in fact, you you put me in contact with oh, him. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Main came mm -hmm. on last yeah. week and we talked about Robert Heinlein. And I, what I wanted to know was not like what are the plots of the stories, but what is Robert Heinlein about? What are the what yeah. are the themes he's what exploring? What made Heinlein so horny? Yes, exactly. Why was why did he have sex in every book I've ever read? <laughs> 
It's always there's always four people at his books. There's the other, the competent guy, yeah. the walking vagina, and the old quippy dude that has sex with her. And it's like, where did that come from? I have a guess, but anyway, we get into that. Yeah. Um, this last week, there's a little bit of political overlap because I had on Jonathan Last from The Bulwark who made a a very full-throated defense of the galactic empire from Star Wars. He believes that Palpatine was, in his words, a dictator you could do business with, like Pinochet. Oh, <laughs> and that, uh, uh, I don't endorse that theory myself, no. but it was a really fun, mind-expanding podcast to hear somebody that is just an unabashed imperial apologist of course. who's like, oh, you know what, Alderaan actually just collateral damage in a war against uh, rebels, you know like, like, it, was, it was an interesting thing and uh, got cool co- uh, stuff uh, cool stuff coming up as well so if you're a nerd you want to check out that it's alienating the audience. Alright, and of course at Mighty Heaton on Twitter Andrew, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. And that will wrap it up for me today. Uh, another thank you to my mom, Gloria Young and Andrew Heaton who were my guests today. Uh, As I record this, they are still talking about impeachment, so I guess we'll catch up on exactly what the vote was on Friday, as well as our debate recap, but... Before we wrap things up, we got to recognize our Titanic $10 tier. That is Squid's Mixtape. Jamie, Ryan B., Adam, Jonathan D. Laser, another Andy B., Paul Boyer, Mike McLaughlin, and Brad. If you would like to join their ranks, then head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Of course, you can always join our $3 club. That means you get a bonus show on Monday. You get a bonus show on Thursday. You can email me, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Follow me on social media at Justin R. Young everywhere. And episode three of Raise the Dead, all about Richard Nixon in the 1960 Republican Convention and why you should be studying that if you want to understand where the Democratic Party of our modern days is heading. That's live now. Go follow, listen to Raise the Dead. But till next time, is your old pal Justin Robert Young reminding you that politics has three names. And some shows talk about politics. Others talk about politics. There is an entire House of Representatives that is currently and endlessly discussing politics, but this is the only show that talks about it Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>